0: hello and welcome to mr president from otrgold.com this episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors
1: President, starring Metro-Goldwyn-Mayors, Edward Arnold. Mr. President, at home in the White House, the elected leader of our people, our fellow citizen and neighbor, these are the little-known stories of the men who've lived in the White House, dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True human stories of Mr. President.
2: Each week, the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations brings you these interesting broadcasts of Mr. President, starring Edward Arnold. In just a moment, Mr. Arnold will be with us. But meantime, how extensive is your knowledge of our country's past presidents? For example... Can you name the president who was almost impeached because of his wife? Or the president who had a habit of bathing in a river back of the White House? There are so many colorful anecdotes about our former chief executives that it's not surprising we find the lives of American presidents so fascinating. And so, like our own lives, we often feel their stories are our stories, too. Each week, Mr. President removes the pedestal from under our famous leaders to reveal them as they were, Human beings whose desires and ambitions were much the same as yours and mine. Listen now to this story and see if you can name the president it is about.
1: And now, Edward Arnold as Mr. President. Let's visit him in the White House. It is Sunday, and the old mansion is resting quietly after a busy week. We walk through the great doors under the presidential seal, across the foyer and down the long hall to the president's study. Hello.
3: sit down, won't you? You know power does strange things to people. Sometimes it lifts them so high off the ground they can't see anybody but themselves. Sometimes it dazzles them so much they can't see anything at all. And sometimes it breaks them, especially when they have forgotten where their strength came from. Yes, even the most powerful men sometimes take a tumble. The danger is they can spread ruin all around them when they fall. And that's what almost happened in this story. Later on, of course, I'll tell you who was president when it happened. But meanwhile, you may be able to guess. (laughs) day, a president came to see me, a very big president. Oh, not the president of the United States. That was my job. But he was the president of the Bank of the United States. His name was Anthony Nichols. My secretary, Massara, came in to announce him.
0: President, I'm afraid Mr. Nichols is getting very impatient.
3: Well, he's no more impatient than I am, Miss Sarah. I suppose he's come to gloat because Congress has passed the bank charter bill. Uh,
0: By a good majority, sir, there's a strong sentiment for the bank.
3: Of course. With all the money he controls, Nichols can buy anything and anybody, or thinks he can. Miss Sarah, his bank is so strong already, he's setting himself up above the government itself. And if we give him any more power, he can be the virtual dictator of this country.
0: If he's that bad, somebody better stop him before that happens. Somebody's
3: got to stop him. Miss Sarah, but he's a clever man and he won't take orders. Well, have him come in. Yes, sir. Mr.
0: Nichols, the president will see you now, sir.
1: Thank you, Miss Sarah.
3: Good afternoon, Mr. President. Good afternoon, Mr. Nichols. How was your vacation, sir? Did you enjoy yourself? Mr. Nichols, I always enjoy myself when I'm around my grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And your health, sir? Oh, much better. Much better, thank you. You seem to be in fine spirits yourself. Mm, why shouldn't I be? After all, Congress has passed the bill to reach out to my bank. Yes, I know. Uh, by the way, what was your hurry? Hurry? Well, you still have four years
4: to go on your present charter. Well, four years isn't very long in terms of our country's welfare. You and I know, sir, that national prosperity depends on the confidence of the people in our financial well-being. Exactly, and very well put, too. Oh, I'm <laughs> glad to hear
3: you say that. Uh, what worries me is that with most of the government funds deposited in one bank, yours, Mr. Nichols... That bank has a rather formidable amount of power, if it should ever want to use it. Mm. Why should we want to use it? We are not in politics. With all your power, you don't need politics. Only politicians. (laughs) Maybe if you paid more attention to politicians. (laughs) Well... (laughs) Maybe, yes. (laughs) I wish you'd tell my doctors that. You know, they're always advising me to take it easy. Well, I can't imagine you taking it easy, sir. Well, I can. Four years in office, four years of headaches. Sometimes I think I'd like to spend the rest of my life just swimming and fishing, sitting in my garden at home, playing with my grandchildren. What more could you ask for? Uh, You talk as though you're not going to run for re-election. And then, when I think of doing nothing for more than two or three weeks, well, I don't believe I could stand that. And now, Mr. Nichols, uh, what was it you wanted to ask me? You've already given me an answer, Mr. President. Oh, I see.
1: Well, tell me, how
3: is everything in Philadelphia? Splendid! In case you're planning to do any campaigning... uh...
4: Why not drop in to see me at Chestnut Street?
3: And look over the enemy's camp? I (laughs) might do that, Mr. Nichols. (laughs) Well, we'll be glad to see you. Good day, Mr. President. (laughs) Good day, sir. Goodbye, Miss Sarah.
4: Goodbye, Mr.
0: Nichols.
3: Uh, Come in, Miss Sarah, will you please?
0: Yes, Mr. President. Mr. Nichols seemed to be very pleased with his visitor.
3: He's very pleased with himself, Miss Sarah.
0: Well, I must say he strikes me as a gentleman. Oh, he's
3: a gentleman, all right. He can afford to be. He's got practically all the money of the United States right in his pocket. Uh,
0: Figuratively speaking, of course. Oh, of course. But you were so angry before you saw him. What did you tell him, Mr. President, that made him leave here looking so pleased?
3: (laughs) I didn't tell him anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's why he's pleased. He thinks I've given up. Congress has passed the bank bill. Election is coming up. Naturally, he doesn't expect me, me to make any trouble. But, Miss Sarah, I'd just like to see Mr. Nichols' face when he reads this message. What is it? It's my veto. Veto? My veto over the bank charter bill. Just listen. When the laws undertake to add artificial distinctions to make the rich richer and the potent more powerful, the humble members of society who have neither the time nor the means of securing like favors for themselves have a right to complain of the injustices of their government.
4: Like on the high and the low, the rich and the poor, it would be an unqualified blessing. In the bank charter bill before me, there seems to be a wide and unnecessary departure from these just principles. Well, Mr. Nichols, he didn't mince words in his veto, did he? It's a ridiculous and inflammatory document, Senator John. Strong long enough to win
3: over enough of the Congress to sustain his veto and defeat our bill. Don't
4: underestimate his strength. He has a remarkable appeal to the voters. a demagogue. He tells them what they want to hear. But it's easier to lose popularity than to win it. Senator, we've got a real issue now. If we spread the word around that this veto of the president's against the bank charter can bring chaos and actual ruin to the entire country, we can defeat him for re-election. You have a big job ahead of you, Senator. You have to talk to the entire country. And I want to say to you, good people of Philadelphia... That another vote for that man in the White House is a vote for chaos. I say to you, he must be defeated! I am sure that the enlightened citizens of New York State will go to the polls and repudiate the ruinous policies of this inept administration! people of Indiana, the backbone of our nation, that when the sun rises tomorrow morning, you will see to it that we have a new president.
0: Good morning, Mr. President. Good
3: morning, Miss Sarah.
0: Attorney General Brooke is here to see you, sir. Oh,
3: thank you. Come in, Roger. Congratulations, Mr. President. Oh, thank you, Roger. It's a beautiful little girl. Eight pounds, too. I I beg your pardon? A new granddaughter arrived this morning. Oh, Oh, then my congratulations on that, too. Uh, I was referring to your re-election. Oh, thanks, Roger. Well, now we can go ahead. We've got a clear mandate from the people. Probably the only reason they kept me here is that I gave notice I was going to destroy Nichols' power and his bank. And now I've got to do it. Good. You know I'm with you, Mr. President. I've always regarded Nichols as a menace to our policies. Now, look here, Roger. This isn't a fight between Nichols and myself. It isn't even a fight between the bank and the government. Then what is it, sir? The age-old fight between aristocracy and democracy, between despotism and popular government. And, Roger, it's not the first time we've had to fight this out, but I hope I can make it the last time. That may not be too easy, sir. Before we're through, we may have to close every bank in the country. Oh, that would be too bad. And I hope we won't have to do it. But whatever we do, Roger, we've got to get the jump on Nichols. He isn't going to take this lying down. He'll start passing out money and buy up all the support he needs. So I'm going to start withdrawing government funds from the Bank of the United States at once. Uh, Just a minute, Mr. President. Oh, the Attorney General has an objection?
4: I only want to point out that you can't do that. It can be done only as an executive act by the Secretary of the Treasury. And uh,
3: Mr. McLean's sympathies are with the bank. Oh, I've attended to McLean. I made him the Secretary of State. Oh, very good, <laughs> sir. But who are you going to get to replace him? Well, I've appointed young Bill Duane, a good boy. Mm. From Philadelphia, isn't he? That's right, Roger. I have an idea it'll take a good Philadelphia lawyer to deal with the Philadelphia banker, so I'm calling a cabinet meeting at once. <laughs>
1: Say, Mr. Right. Brooke, that if we try to withdraw these deposits and place them in a select group of state banks, this action could be called an arbitrary exercise of power. And
4: that's just what it would be. Oh, no. No, uh, no. Gentlemen, uh, be gentlemen,
3: that. please, just a moment. After all, under the law, these funds can only be withdrawn by the Secretary of the Treasury. So while this is, debate is vastly interesting, I think it might be more enlightening if we heard from him.
5: Well, yes, oh, right.
1: well Mr. Duane... Well, Mr. President, uh, I feel duty-bound to give an honest opinion. I'm afraid that such precipitous action could very well be ruinous to the business of the country.
3: In other words, you won't do it.
5: Good, Good for you, Mr. Duane. Uh, gentlemen,
3: uh, Gentlemen, obviously we don't all agree. But for the record, let's just call it a family argument and leave it at that. However, there's one thing I'd like to have you think about. There cannot be two presidents of the United States. It has to either be me... Here in the White House in Washington, or Mr. Nichols in his Greek temple in Chestnut Street in Philadelphia. Gentlemen, the meeting is adjourned. Well,
5: certainly...
3: Oh, yes, Mr. Duane, uh, I'd like to see you for a moment. And Roger, will you stay, please? I'm sorry, Mr. President, but I had to give my honest opinion. No, oh, of course you did, and I admire you for it. Thank you, sir. But that doesn't help me. I need a secretary of the treasury who will carry
1: out my policy. I'm a. Af- I've already expressed myself, sir. I'm afraid that if we do withdraw funds from the bank, it will start nothing but trouble. And if we don't, we're headed for bigger trouble.
3: I'm sorry, I have to say this, Mr. Duane, but if you are not with me, you are against me.
1: If you're suggesting that I resign, sir, I'm afraid I'll have to refuse.
3: In that case, I'm afraid I'll have to handle the matter myself. Good day, Mr. Duane. But Mr. Good Pre- day, Mr. Duane.
1: Good day, Mr. President.
3: Roger, you know something? Yes, Mr. President? I like that boy. He stands by his guns. But I'm still going to have to fire him. We can't have cabinet members who refuse to follow the policies of the administration. Mm -hmm. That's the second secretary of the treasury who has refused. Well, I'm going to find a secretary of the treasury who will. Uh, Wait a minute, Roger. Uh, There is somebody who understands my position and who will go along with me all the way. Who is that? The attorney general. You? Uh, well, I well, it's your job, Roger. If you'll take it,
5: <sighs>
3: with pleasure, sir. Mm, splendid. Now we can start taking some of the silver out of Mister Nichols' Nichols. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Done what, Senator John?
3: The new Secretary of the Treasury has given official notice that government
4: deposits will not be made in the Bank of the United States after the last day of this month. Well, what else did you expect? Senator, my bank doesn't entirely depend upon government funds. We are in a strong position. We're solvent and we're creditors. But to make our position even more secure, I am immediately calling in all loans from the state banks and restricting their credit. But, Nichols, the smaller banks depend on you. Exactly. If we call in their loans, they'll have to clamp down on credits to merchants. That will stifle business everywhere. that will start a depression, perhaps even a panic. And only one man will be responsible, the president. Before we're through, Senator, he'll have to come to me on his knees, begging to reach out of the bank.
1: In just a moment, we'll come back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President.
2: If you've been thinking about a job where you can learn as well as travel, the United States Navy has a future to offer you. The President and Congress have made the peacetime Navy one of the most extensive vocational schools in the world. Navy men train for careers in radio, aviation, electronics, and diesel engineering. It is also possible for a Navy man to continue his academic studies, or attend his own choice of the Navy's specialist schools. There's good pay, too, in the Navy. Beginners make the equivalent of $78 a week with major living expenses provided free. So if you're between 17 and 31 years of age, why not sign up with the United States Navy by visiting your local Navy recruiting office tomorrow? Remember, few other careers offer you as great an opportunity to build a successful future or to serve your commander-in-chief and country. Now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President.
3: Do you think you know yet who the president was in this story? Remember, the fight between special privilege and democracy is as old as the history of our country. And many of our presidents have had to deal with it. Later on, I'll tell you which one this was. I had found a means of putting pressure on Mr. Nichols, but now he was putting the pressure on me. I sent for Roger Brooke, my new Secretary of the Treasury, and when he arrived, Miss Sarah was with him, holding a strange object in her outstretched hands.
0: Mr. President, I thought maybe Oh, good you, uh... heavens,
3: good heavens, Miss Sarah. What kind of a bird is that?
0: Well, I suppose it was a bird. That is, several birds at one time, Mr. President. The Black Hawk Indian tribe sent you this war bonnet headdress as a token of its esteem for the great white father.
3: Well, I'm glad someone esteems me. <laughs> it's not that bad, Mr. President. <laughs> Sit down, Roger. Well, Miss Sarah, don't just stand there holding that head. Please put it somewhere. <laughs>
0: Place. Yes, sir.
3: It's very spectacular, isn't it? Yes. Well, Roger, is Senator John still haranguing the Senate? Oh, he just finished. For the most part, it was drivel, but very eloquent drivel. You know, Mr. President, in a way, it's flattering to have a man spend three solid days giving a speech, telling everybody how wrong you are. Well, really, he can't be very sure of himself if it took him that long. And I'm sorry to say, sir, that he and other powerful leaders that favor the bank did make an impression on the Senate. They've, um... They've passed a censure against your policy. They what? They Nichols isn't back at this. Putting pressure on the smaller banks. Choking please, off credit. Please, and...
0: Mr. President, you're not supposed to get too agitated. Miss Sarah,
3: don't quote doctors but to me. Sir,
0: after all, you know you do have a condition. Yes,
3: I do have something the matter with me, and there's no use putting a fancy name to it. It's called Anthony Nichols. Roger. What about the state banks? And when Nichols called in their loans and stopped their credit, that started the depression. It hit them first, and they're getting pretty shaky. Well, but... I thought we were uh, we were depositing government funds with them. Yes, sir, but no bank can exist on government's deposits alone. They've got to have business, and business is at a standstill. All right. If I can't rely upon the state banks to support me, I can rely upon the people. Masara. Miss Sarah, didn't I tell you to put that Indian war bonnet down someplace?
0: Well, sir, I was just trying to figure out where it might look best in this room. Well, it'll
3: look best on my head at this point. Here, let me have it. There. Now let those fellows come and see me in this.
0: <laughs> you look a little frightening, Mr. President.
3: Hmm? <laughs> well, I'm afraid they don't frighten that easily, Miss Sarah. Don't worry, Roger. The people will come along with us. And then we'll whip nickels.
4: Well, Senator Jones, what have you accomplished so far? I've had committees organized in all parts of the country to protest the President's action. Good. When do they start? Immediately. The President thinks the people are on his side. Well, he's going to be mighty
5: surprised. (laughs)
0: President, I have some more petitions. There's one from New Hampshire complaining of financial distress due to removal of deposits. New Hampshire? And others from New Orleans, Connecticut, North Carolina, and Kentucky. They all say the same thing, Mr. President.
3: You mean they all think we're wrong, Miss Sarah?
4: Mr. President, I am delegated to protest against your policy, which is bringing disaster to the country. You must restore the yes, deposits. Yes, yes.
3: Well, thank you very much, sir, for taking the trouble to come to see me. The people I represent all depend for their very lives on the financial stability of this nation. Uh, Mr. President, they're frightened by this appalling situation. I know, I know. And thank you very much, sir, for expressing your opinion. Miss Sarah... Aren't there any resolutions in our favor?
0: Well, so far, Mr. President, we've received 17,000 in our favor. But there are 151,000 against us, sir.
3: Mm. It doesn't look much like it now, Miss Sarah, but you know something? I still believe the people are with us.
0: Senator Johns would like to see you.
3: Come sir. to deliver one of his three day speeches, no doubt. Well,
0: I can tell him you're busy. No,
3: but... no, I want to see him. He came here because Nichols told him to come. And, Miss Sarah, I think it's about time to give Mr. Nichols some of the medicine I've been taking. Tell the Senator to come in.
0: Yes, Mr. President. Senator Johns, the President, will see you now.
3: Thank you, Miss Sarah. I suppose you're rather surprised I've come here, Mr. President. Since that speech you made about me, Senator, nothing you did could surprise me. That was politics, sir. I have come to see you now on a much more serious matter. You mean there's something more serious than politics to you, Senator? Senator? I have come to you because our country is threatened with the greatest crisis in its history. Well, that's a very good reason, sir.
4: Because you are seen fit to withdraw deposits from the Bank of the United States. Mr. Nichols' bank. From the Bank of the United States. And what is happening? Money has been deflated. People are hoarding. Banks are shutting
3: down. Business is at a standstill. The whole country is in a panic. Senator, you may be in a panic. Mr. Nichols must be in a panic or you wouldn't be here. But I'm not in any panic. Well, sir. It may
4: be easy for you to remain calm in the face of disaster... But if you would travel about the country as I have, and seen the fear in people's eyes, seen the face of hunger, the specter of poverty, the ghosts of our national isolation Oh, why don't you save that for the Senate? I've
3: listened to you talk. Now I want to tell you something. Sooner than restore the deposits or reach out of the Bank of the United States, I'd face the torture of ten Spanish inquisitions. But, Mr. And sooner than live in a country where such power as Mr. Nichols prevails, I'd seek an asylum in the
1: wilds of Arabia.
3: I
4: only want to talk about the panic in our country. Senator Johns,
3: if you're in such a panic about the panic, you came to the wrong man. You want to go to the man who started the panic. Don't come to me. Go to Nichols. Mr. President, I have been delegated by my committee, a nonpartisan committee, to come to you, sir, for relief. Relief? You've come to the wrong man, sir. If you want relief, don't come to me. Go to Anthony Nichols.
4: Mr. President, the currency of the country is in a dreadful condition It is? Well, then why come to
3: me? I'm not a banker The man you want to see is Anthony Nichols Mr. President, we are a delegation bearing a petition of 10,000 signatures We deplore the depressed condition So do I, gentlemen, so do I But you've brought your petition to the wrong man Take it to Mr. Nichols He can relieve the country by just giving one word I say, go to Anthony Nichols.
4: Oh, it's you, Senator Johns. Come in. I had a hard time getting in with that mob outside. Senator, I thought you said you'd arrange for the petitioners to go to the president. I did. It's not my fault that the President sent them over here. I told you what he told me. He'd rather go to Arabia. I don't care what he told you. Senator, the bank has taken its course, and it will not be frightened or deflected from its duty by any driveling about relief to the country. But the people are demanding relief. The action of the Congress is what I'm interested in. I'll squeeze the economy of this country until Congress acts and acts in my favor. Money still talks, Senator Johns, and I happen to have the money. If the president persists in his suicidal attitude, then he'd better make his accommodations right away for that asylum in the wilds of Arabia. Miss Sarah.
3: Any word for Mr. Brook yet?
0: No, sir. Congress must still be debating the bank issue. I left word to have him sent in as soon as he arrives, sir.
3: Good, good. You know, Miss Sara, I'm worried.
0: You don't look worried, Mr. President.
3: it's too quiet. It's too quiet. Something ought to be happening. I'm beginning to miss all those delegations, and with Congress still in session, well... It's just too calm.
0: If I may say so, you could do with a little quiet. You've had enough excitement the last few weeks. Well,
3: Miss Sarah, I thrive on excitement. (laughs) Mr. President.
4: Oh, Roger, come in. What happened? Everything in our favor, sir. The bank is finished. Finished? How? Congress passed four resolutions that all support our position and also demanded an investigation of the bank's affairs. Good! That's fine! But
0: didn't Senator John say anything?
4: Oh, yes, and he was eloquent,
3: too. Everybody applauded. Oh, but the vote was counts, huh? Oh, of course. And another thing... You'll be glad to know the Senate has withdrawn its censure of your policy. Well, that's nice of them. Ha! Huh. And Nichols' own bank has filed suit against him for misappropriation of funds of more than $400,000. Well, there's nothing petty about him.
0: And he seemed to be such a gentleman.
3: Ah, uh, he set a clever trap for you, Mr. President. But you pushed him into it. Well, all I can say is I'm, I'm glad he won't have a chance to call my bluff. And just between us... I don't think I'd like living in Arabia for the rest of my life anyway. Well, you've probably figured out by now who I was when all that happened. It really did happen, you know. And I'll tell you the answer in just a moment.
2: For the past two seasons, Theater Guild on the Air has set a high mark for excellent entertainment. Entertainment that's hard to top for sheer quality of writing, acting, and performance. If you were a Theater Guild listener last year, you heard some of the most interesting broadcasts on the air. Helen Hayes in Alice Sit by the Fire. James Mason in Bill of Divorcement. George Sanders in Escape. And if you're a new listener to Theater Guild on the Air, you're in for a full hour of absorbing entertainment each Sunday night this year. This season will bring many of your favorite plays and some recent Broadway successes. Don't miss each Sunday night performance of Theater Guild on the air when it's heard over most of these same ABC stations. Now, here again is Edward Arnold.
3: This story happened from 1832 to 1834, and Mr. President then was old Hickory himself, Andrew Jackson. Nichols and his bank uh, were a serious threat to the government and the free economy of our nation. But President Jackson destroyed this financial monopoly and wrote the most important veto in our history up to that time. The opposition, which was voiced by Senator Johns, included such famous American statesmen as Henry Clay and Daniel Webster, But all of them together were no match for old Hickory. Come and see me again next week, won't you? I'll have another story for you about Mr. President that I'm sure you'll enjoy. Goodbye.
1: Arnold appeared by arrangement with Metro Goldwyn Mayer, producers of High Wall, starring Robert Taylor, Audrey Totter, and Herbert Marshall. <laughs> Mr. President was created by Robert G. Jennings. It is produced and directed by Dwight Hauser. Miss Sarah was played by Betty Lou Gerson. Tonight's story by Milton Merlin was suggested by incidents in the administration of President Andrew Jackson. Music was composed and conducted by Basil Adlam.
2: sure to listen again next week when the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations bring you Edward Arnold with another true story of Mr. President. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.